Welcome to the CU 2.0 Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the CU 2.0 Podcast with big new ideas about credit unions and conversations about innovative technology with credit union and fintech leaders. This podcast is brought to you by Quillo, the real-time loan syndication network for credit unions, and by your host, longtime credit union and financial technology journalist, Robert McGarvey. And now, the CU 2.0 podcast with Robert McGarvey. Do we still need to pay attention to a credit union's core system? You bet you do. On the show today is Shannon McLaughlin, president of Credit Union Solutions at Jack Henry. And honestly, he draws a picture of core systems that are genuinely exciting that will grow with a credit union as its tech needs grow. Regular listeners know that usually when I mention core systems, it's wrapped in what some call sneer quotes. McLaughlin is determined to prove them wrong. The course can and should be the brains of a thriving credit union. Is he right? Listen up for his perspective on a vital 21st century core. So we're going to talk today. Um, I think we're going to talk today about you're going to give me an update on the company's technology modernization strategy and why this should be a strategic priority for credit unions. I find this interesting for two different reasons. One, I think the average credit union core is, it's a senior citizen. Most of them could be on social security at this point, if there was social security for core systems at credit unions. And number two, the average credit union CEO would rather do a Japanese gangster Yakuza thing and cut off a finger than change a core. You're right. Uh, you're right. Uh, so now you're going to tell them to cut off fingers or change ports. What are you going to do? We we need to uh, do the fingers. We need to do the fingers. So let's talk then about the uh, the tech modernization and kind of where we're at there. So first off, to think about it, tech modernization is all around getting getting that path, seeing around corners, and looking at what's coming at us in the future. A big piece of what's coming at us in the future is an ability to quickly adapt, quickly move, quickly connect. Right? It's it's all about being open. It's all about being flexible. It's all about being up all the time. Right? No no downtime. In looking at doing that, we've partnered with Google, and uh, we're building on the Google GCP platform. Uh, the the plat the Jack Henry platform itself is what we're building. That's that is the the product, and the product has component capabilities on it. So if you think about a core system traditionally being that that monolithic core system that you get a couple of releases of uh, each year, uh, we're changing that game. There, there's a there's the strength of the core system in all of the things that it does to settle and tried and proven and it's got all the edge cases covered. But then there's this demand of access, this demand of all the digital channels, right, uh, connecting to that core and and bringing that back to your members seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. That's what the platform is all about. It's about enabling all of that, leveraging leveraging the the settlement capabilities of the core system and modularizing those capabilities onto a brand new platform 
And uh, that platform is digitally centric. It is cloud native. There's nothing that we're doing that's lift and shift. It's all rebuilt on the platform and it will, uh, it will actually interact between the platform and the core system. So we're leveraging the investment in your existing core while we're componentizing it and making it available on the public cloud and GCP. And at that point, rather than you know, thinking about, oh my goodness, do I need to do a full conversion? I can move a, a business component at a time to that public cloud setting. I don't have to go through that, that nasty conversion that you started out talking about. Now, how, how do you do that? I mean, I, 15 years ago, I was telling credit union CEOs that the day was coming soon when their core would be in the cloud. They thought I was a crazy guy. Maybe I am. I don't know. Sure, right on. Uh, but I also knew I was right about that. So, well, and, uh, and now you're talking about kind of a, it's a hybrid thing where, where parts are in the cloud and parts aren't. And, and where you'll be able to migrate there at your own pace over time. Cool. Right. So, so you think about like, why would we lift and shift or not lift and shift? Right. Well, when we're talking about the public cloud, we're talking about a whole different paradigm than anything that we've developed on for on-premise or, or even private clouds where it's all dedicated you know, hardware. I, I build the hardware out to my maximum need and build the capacity beyond that maximum need. Uh, but we're building it like with the security of that environment in mind, with the multi-tenancy of that environment in mind, with the elasticity of that environment in mind and a lift and shift just doesn't do that uh, so that's the first piece right let's let's not move something that wasn't built for the cloud for the public cloud into the public cloud and then when you think about the components like the first component out is wires um, we've got uh, multiple other components that are going through different phases right now of of uh, early adopter and beta testing and such. But but think about wires for a second. Today, uh, Scimitar has wires, right? It's got a wire system in it, but it doesn't do, as an example, international wires. Well, the new wire system does both domestic and international. So when you are ready and you say, hey, you know what, one of the things I need for my credit union is international wires, or there maybe there's some other capability in, in our domestic wires on the cloud that you want to get to. Um, you would say, okay, as of whatever day, I no longer want to run my wire system uh, in Scimitar. I want to run them in the Jack Henry platform. We would point the digital solution to the platform and wires would now start processing from there. And it's it's more of a, I'll call it a data movement than it is any kind of conversion. And it's just that piece, that sliver of the business. The rest of the business continues on without getting impacted. And then repeat that for any additional modules as you go. If you're coming over brand new, right, from a, another core system, you can take that same approach. Or you can choose to do the big bang conversion, whichever suits you best. Now, what size credit union do you see? being ideal for this solution? You know, it's it's been a great conversation with 
credit unions of all sizes, there's interest across the board because of the flexibility that it provides, the capability and the access that it provides. So I don't think it's limited either on the top end or the bottom. That's that's fascinating. Now, now partly this is being driven, I, I'm guessing, by massive changes where, I mean, the biggest change of all, of course, is credit unions are being forced I think they're being forced to move from batch processing to real-time processing, which well, is not something that they applaud. I think I think that you know the, the types of things that are changing it is just the disruption in the marketplace you know, that we've seen at a rate that that is actually just getting faster. Right, so we saw COVID speed everything up, and it depends on who you talk to in the industry. But did COVID accelerate the digital adoption by five years or by 10 years or somewhere in between? Something like that, right? It accelerated. Now the members have that device in their hands and they're used to being able to do things with it that you know, they weren't able to do before. And they're using apps and they're using the mobile device to interact in other channels. And they say, why can't I do this in my credit union channel? So you see a lot of that. You see a lot of the... Um, the disruption that comes from how many financial applications do you have on your device? How many financial applications and relationships does your household have? 20 to 30, 30 to 40, depend on the demographic, but that's what we're looking at. That's what we're seeing. And now financial fragmentation has happened across all of those. How much money do you have at each one of those relationships? And do you really have a good picture of it all together? How do you get that picture all together? Well, the, the historical path would be through aggregation, right? Like some kind of a personal financial management kind of tool, of, uh, an aggregator tool. And um, okay, so historically, how do you do a deal with that? Well, historically, aggregators have been a bunch of screen scrapers. And those screen scrapers are things where we say, hey, I want to have my entire financial picture together. So I'm willing to give this aggregation tool my all of my financial relationships, locations, and my credentials to those things. And then and then we're actually updating those. Like when we change our username and credentials, we're updating them, right? And we're continually updating and giving out those very important secrets of ours, those credentials. And we're teaching our kids to do that. Um, we're telling our members to do that. We're creating bad practices. So what we've built as an example in the platform, and this is already live and in production, but we've got a, a whole list of integrated um, uh, providers into the platform that includes Finicity and Yodely into it, um, Plaid. And what we've been able to do with those aggregators, with those integrations, we've been able to get rid of screen scraping. There, in our digital solution, there is no more teaching our members, teaching our children to share their username, share their credentials for those financial relationships. We do it all without screen scraping. But one thing I will say that I'm impressed with is that I always ask fintechs, I talk to a lot of fintechs, and I always ask what they're integrated with. And nowadays, it amazes me that most of the ones I talk to are have a Jack Henry or Scimitar integration, which wasn't the case, say, three, four years ago. But it seems it just seems to be pretty common. So 
That's Apparently, you guys are reaching out to make this truly an open system. We're working really hard at it. And, you know, you, you think about, Ken, how do you facilitate that? How do you make that happen? And it comes in three pieces, right? You got to have the tech to be able to make it happen. And if you actually go out and look at jackhenry.dev, you'll see we've got all of our published APIs right there. Even if you're not a customer yet, or you're not an integrated fintech yet, you can go look at that. You can see what it is. And you can sign up uh, to, to get your token and start your coding. So you got to have the tech. You got to have the business acumen, right? So the business has to be open to being open. So that means a lot of things. It means creating a, an environment where your customers, they have as much choice as they want to have. We want to make sure we've got a product for them. But in the event that they don't want our product or they've got one of their own or they've got to make their own choice, right? They can do that and they can use the openness to do that. And then there's the community aspect of it. And yeah, Scimitar has the most amazing um, user community in the industry. And they uh, they show that off. They show that off all the time and, and how they share, how they talk, how they they help each other along the way and create that openness. What pain point prompts a credit union to get in touch with you? I mean, no, I think no, no, no senior credit union executive is sitting around at his desk or her desk right now saying, geez, I really think we should do a core <laughs> conversion. Yeah, just, you know, I'm going to get my hair cut tomorrow. Today, today we should do a core conversion. I got time. <laughs> that, that would be quite the conversation if it happened. I haven't, right, I haven't heard that. What I think what typically happens is something has caused them to not be able to fulfill the strategy that they're putting together for their credit union. That I think is the biggest motivator. 10 or 15 years ago, the biggest motivator of many credit unions was uh, some old, I'm an old guy, some old tech guy was uh, retiring and no one else actually knew how to patch and keep the core working. <laughs> <laughs> because this was a Rube Goldberg contraption that had been uh, customized. I mean, I, I would hear that constantly, even at some really big credit unions. Yes, for sure. That's that is absolutely the case. But thing moreover now, the, the you still have those conversations for sure. But moreover now, the, the conversations start off with that there's some something that they've got their sights set on that they really need to get to. And you think about that for a second. Um when I when I stand in front of different audiences and, I, and get the chance to address them, talk to them, a lot of times I'll ask the question, you know, how many of you are on a, a digital transformation journey? And it's like every hand in the audience goes up. And then you say, okay, well, let's let's talk about what stage you're at, what's the next thing you're doing. And it's interesting how everybody's on a digital transformation journey, but they're all at different stages of it. And um you know, they help each other. They, they might cross paths at some point being on a similar stage, but but they're so different and they've got those things that they want to do that make them a little unique in their market to set them aside. And that's part of that strategy they got to execute. Yeah, you've seen the statistics, I'm sure. I, I know I've seen statistics that show. It, it's an interesting metric. It's what percentage of tech spend at a credit union is on the core. And that number goes down and down and down year after year. Uh, that said, let, let, let the record reflect. Uh, many years ago, the core system ran everything. It ran uh, what word processing machines. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> it ran everything. So it makes sense that the, and at that point it was getting 100% of the tech spent. Uh, it makes sense that that number is going down. Is it going to continue to go down or will it plateau or what's your hope? Well, you know, when you think about like how we're approaching it and we're componentizing what we all think of as that core functionality, why did or how did the core get to the spot that it's in? Well, it got there because we did all those things. We said everything should be in the core. And then we started realizing that that gets very, that, that gets cumbersome at a point where certain things you can't deliver at the speed that you need to deliver them because they're slowed down by other components that they're interacting with. So the modularization allows you to be high speed delivery on any component in the stack at any time. So I think I think what we'll continue to see is the core, you know, is focused in on settlement, focused in on that that rock solid transactional componentry and that the digital enablement of everything else is going to be key. When a credit union picks a new or system provider, why do they pick the one they pick? You know, I, I think that each selection, each time they, they choose, every institution is a little bit different. It's got to enable their strategic plan. They want a partner. They want a partner that's there with them, and they want a partner that's there with them for the long run. That um, you know that that will be there to help them, whether it's with with tech or with people or with ideas or strategy alignment, right? But but they want that partner, and obviously they they want a product that's going to be able to do the things that that they need to do or enable the fintechs that that they choose to work with that they want to work. With. How many? Cases this year, do you hope to get of core conversions from other systems to yours? You know, I'd say we we average on call it about twenty a year that that uh, come over from other core systems, um, but that's just new core, new core footprints. Um, I'd say that you also got to look at all the merger and acquisition activity that's going on in the market. Yeah. And we see a lot, I mean, they're brand new clients coming over onto the Scimitar platform from another platform, but they're they're merged in or they're they're acquired in. Um, but we want to welcome them the exact same way, enable them the exact same way. In uh, some cases, when you take two little credit unions and you paste them together, I would imagine they need a new core that's big enough to handle both sides of the business. The size, but also depending on what they choose to do when they bring them together, um, you know, do they choose to provide a whole new set of services that are unique to the blended institution? Are they going to keep the old services and then add on new ones? I mean, you got to have the flexibility to be able to do all of that. And it might be a transition over time. Day one, they want to be able to do everything that they used to do. And day 365, it's all the new and only the new, right? So you can blend into that. But you got to have the ability to be flexible and you got to have the ability to connect to the things that they need to connect to as a joint institution. The, the merger twist is interesting. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Many years ago, I used to cover course for uh, Credit Union Times. 
And a continuing focus was was core conversions to different systems. And one day it occurred to me, we're talking about tiny numbers here. <laughs> yes. I mean, why 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 am I putting so much energy into into researching this? It's it's really I mean, to a couple companies, this was really important news, but it really the numbers weren't that big. Whereas you have this this new phenomenon of the, of the mergers and acquisitions and whatnot. I mean, my heavens, what happens when a credit union buys a bank? I mean, it's it's there must be some wackadoodle core conversion going on there. You know, that's happening more and more. Um, yep. And I think you know we're seeing <clears throat> we're seeing the number of 2023. The number of mergers outpaced 2022. I don't have a final number yet, but I know. Going into the third quarter, it was or going into the fourth quarter. The third quarter was was ramping up higher, and, and uh, you know looked like we're we were on pace to uh, I'll call it get get really close, if not tie kind of record record years of the past. But that didn't account for credit unions acquisition of banks. Right, and I think one <laughs> thing that's happening with the credit union credit union mergers is that historically and i used to write a lot about that too historically a lot of those were shotgun weddings engineered by the regulator <laughs> and now we're seeing two pretty viable pretty healthy often fairly big credit unions coming together to get more scale to get and, to get more scale to get into a, a market or to provide something that you know is complementary to each other for sure and that's new but that also puts more pressure more demands on the core system, I should think. You know, I, I think it puts more demands on the core system. I think it puts uh, more demands on the integration capabilities. You know, everything about it, um, the the teams that that back them up, right? Because you're you're now bringing together uh, two larger institutions that had their own. I'll call it their own personalities, right? Had their own cultures. Now those cultures come together, the products come together, the membership comes together. Yeah, there's there's a lot there, and there's a lot to uh, to be said for the institutions that manage through that process. Do you see the number of core providers diminishing? Do you see fewer competitors in the in the future landscape? You know, one of the things that you look at is the number of products that are out there. And there are definitely a reducing number, declining number of products that are out there. The The number of vendors, uh, that I think that one could tick up a little bit as new entrants come in and establish viability. But I think the overall number of products will continue to reduce for a bit. It's real hard to establish viability as a core, core it, provider. I mean, look at DNA. Is. I mean, DNA was a wonderful machine, but it, the business model just wasn't viable. It's it's tough because you've got to get into a like if you've got a core that's that's you know functioning in another market. It's a completely different regulatory landscape in the U.S. Oh, yes. I've often uh -huh. talked in the past with companies saying, hey, we're going great guns in, in Europe and we're going to come in the U.S. And I would just mutter to myself, good luck, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It is hard. 
<laughs> I'm not. I'm not wishing them ill. I'm just saying, man, this is going to be a bigger transition than you can imagine. Going from Spain to Portugal is one thing. Going from Spain to the U.S. is a whole different phenomenon. So it's it sure uh, is. So if you could, if you could get your core system to do one thing that it doesn't do today, what would it be? Oh boy. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I think what what I would want is have our our uh, platform complete and have our our AI um, generative AI integrations done. Right, that'd be great. Where we're going is just not there yet today. So, how do you see AI figuring into this? Because AI is it's this year's shiny object. Uh, now, is it also a game changer? I don't know. You know, some years ago, the iPhone was that year's shiny object, but it became a game changer. So, so I think it's a game changer. And there's, there's, you know, the, there's this. I heard a quote that I really like, and the the quote was related to, you know, people worrying that you know, the jobs, their jobs are going to uh, get displaced by AI. And at least in the financial sector, um, it's. The quote was it was related to the financial sector, and it says AI won't replace humans. Humans using AI will replace humans, not using AI, right? And I started thinking about that, going, well, what like what kind of use cases would create that? And started going down that that whole path. And here's a use case that that uh, is is a legit, real, and coming to life use case. So today, if if I want a set of reports as an executive, maybe I've got an executive dashboard, and I, I look at this dashboard, and I'm going, okay, that, that's great. But I really, now that I see it, I have five other questions. In today's world, right, I've got to send those questions to whoever is my, my data analyst and let them go dig up and, and find those answers and represent to me what the responses are. Well, now I've got a whole other set of questions that have come up and this gets to be an iterative process. The way we've got AI integrated into our executive dashboard and the platform, that's a conversation that that executive gets to have with AI on the dashboard. So I can ask it those questions and it can on the fly build me those five answers and I can refine my questions, which basically gets to refining that that query, right? And it keeps getting uh, more and more what I want to look at for whatever that interaction is, whatever that session is. I don't need all these cycles. I can get to my answer much quicker. Now you're going to uh, GAC next week, right? I am, yes. And you're hoping to, presumably you're going there not because you really like to see the winter in Washington, D.C., but because you're hoping to talk to some credit unions. I am. I'm looking forward to talking to a bunch of credit unions, yes. And if a credit union said to you, hey, I have a busy schedule, why should I talk to you? What would the answer be? Um, my answer would be, uh, I want to tell you about how we're looking around the corners and we're building for your future, not the one to three years, but the, the three, five, seven, ten future. Right, and how we can help you do the things you want to do in that time. Before we go, think hard about how you can help support this podcast so we can do more interviews with more thoughtful leaders in the credit union world. What we're trying to figure out here in these podcasts is what's next for credit unions. 
what can they do to really, really, really make a difference in the financial scene? Can't all be mega banks, can it? It's my hope it won't all be mega banks. It'll always be a place for credit unions. That's what we're discussing here. So figure out how you can help. Get in touch with me. This is rjmcgarvey at gmail.com. Robert McGarvey again. That's rjmcgarvey at gmail.com. Get in touch. We'll figure out a way that you can help. We need your support. We want your support. We thank you for your support. The CU 2.0 Podcast.